Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, advice that will sharpen your focus, and expert information on real estate, finance, and market conditions. Carly Sharing. Good morning. Thank you so much for being. That is how you pronounce your last name, right? Yeah, Sharing is Karen. So, I'm so <laughs> um, that was my. It was a guess, and I wanted to make sure. So, yeah. I am so glad yeah. that we had an opportunity to get together. Thank you for joining us for the Mike Litton experience. Yeah, absolutely happy to be here. So, like we talked about, our passion. So we we believe that everybody has a story, mm-hmm. and our passion is to help them tell it. And yeah. one of the things that we know is from experience is you're gonna we're gonna have you tell your life story today mm-hmm. and we know that from that people are going to hear things about your life that yeah. they're going to connect with yeah okay yeah. and it's going to inspire and motivate them to do things that they've been putting off quite honestly yeah. okay yeah. and we're all about inspiring and we're all about motivating so i'm super excited that you're here thank you so much so like we talked about before what we're going to do is we're going to talk about your life story. So we're going to start with where you were born. Okay. So where were you born? I was born and raised here in San Diego. Really? So you're a native. Mm-hmm. I love yep, it. Yep, a unicorn. I'm never leaving. So So where in San Diego? Um, specifically Palmerado Hospital over in okay. Poway. Okay. Um, I was raised in Rancher Penisquitos. Okay. And then, uh, so Rancher Penisquitos, Rancher Bernardo, Poway area have always been like my home territory. So your whole childhood was there? Um, yeah, I was, I lived in Rancher Penisquitos until my parents split in 2006. I'm sorry. And then it's just, just the way things happen sometimes. Um, but, and then we moved into my grandparents' house in Rancher Bernardo. So I kind of transitioned to like the Rancher Bernardo area. So the good news is you stayed in the Poway School District the whole time. Yes. Which is, by the way, for those that don't know, Poway School District is a top rated school yeah school yeah. district um so that's cool so where did you where did you go to high school um i went to range bernardo okay mm-hmm. okay so we lived right by there by the way yeah. um and when they had their football games we literally would step outside our front door okay cool. and there was their it was awesome yeah we, we, up, we were to pay admission it was cool yeah growing up i lived right above mount carmel high school there you like go. we lived right above it so kind of kind of watched it with binoculars and stuff but That's my cool. favorite part of that was we would throw these epic fourth of july parties every yeah. year um and so we just have all of our friends family friends and neighbors over and then we got front row seats to watch the fireworks so that's, cool. that's like one of my my most favorite memories from the comfort of your home yeah exactly that's like awesome. all, all of us kids would be running around playing and we were right backed up to um black mountain black mountain yeah um and there's like a giant fire road for for fire access and so you know other people would stake out all day in the hot sun on the asphalt and wait for the fireworks and we just had front row seats the whole time that's so cool i love that yeah view homes are just the best yeah so here's a question for you Mm -hmm. what was your favorite thing i mean i know you just said that the fireworks thing was your favorite thing right but what was your favorite thing about growing up in rachel penisquitos um, 
I mean, living on Black Mountain was incredible. Yeah. I mean, my mom kept us active all the time. There's a there's a park up there called Hill, Hilltop Park. Okay. And so, you know, we, we'd go to school, we'd come home, do a little bit of homework, and then my mom was like, all right, like, let's go be active. Let's go do something. Beautiful. And so we were super active. If she didn't feel like taking us on a hike, we would be on our bikes um, just running around the neighborhood. Um, otherwise, we had a really cool backyard, and our neighbors were super cool, so we would just kind of go into each other's backyards and, and play. And then, what a neat neighborhood. Yeah, it was, it was like one of those cool old school, like 90s, early 2000s neighborhoods where like everyone was just hanging out with each other. Like my whole neighborhood knew each other. Um, and, and so we'd go on hikes and, as well up Black Mountain. So we had like all these different paths we'd go. We always had a dog, so our dog would come with us. And it was just a really beautiful childhood growing up. My mom was stay at home. And so that was, that was a big blessing to have her be a stay at home mom. And, um, you know, she was there to drop us off at school. She was there to pick us up. She was there to, to supervise us with, with activities. When we went on those hikes, she was there to make dinner and make all of our, all of our meals. So it was, it was really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So I think I know this already, but I'm going to ask you anyway, because we ask everybody. Yeah. Who was the most influential person to you growing up? You know, it's, I mean, it, it's kind of like a, a culmination of people okay. and it's, it's something I probably don't recognize or like didn't recognize as a kid. I recognized it more now as an adult. Okay. Um, and it's just, it's kind of a mosh pot of people. Like okay. my, obviously my mom, yeah. my mom was great. Um, my dad had his different things that he imparted on me. Um, I had a lot of great school teachers, just as you were saying, we had good uh, we're in a really good school district, mm -hmm. so I have a lot of memorable teachers who who taught me different things. Um, but I don't I don't necessarily know if there's one specific. Actually, there probably is one specific person, and it's now my business partner, which we can get into that all later. But because of where we grew up, how I grew up, the church I grew up in, mm -hmm. we had great family friends. And so one of our old family friends who his daughter was best friends with my sister, his name is Mark Means. We grew up with him. We always knew that he was like the cool guy. He always had like the fun toys and got to go on cool vacations. And like they'd take my little sister on vacations. And um, he's the one who reached out to me a couple years ago and hired me into his insurance agency. Okay. So to be honest, like he was probably the most influential person okay. and um and then i also have a really awesome quote-unquote aunt and uncle they're not actually related but um grew up with with really cool family friends and they're my aunt and uncle and they live up in up in warner springs up in the mountains have a beautiful mm -hmm. ranch up there and that's um, the one you and maddie went to mm -hmm. yeah. yeah 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 Those so i've known amazing. yeah they're amazing um i've known them for a long time i've really grown up with them since probably fifth grade mm -hmm. Um, that was kind of just our, our home away from home where yeah. we, where we'd get away. And it's so funny because it's my, yeah, my uncle Max used to say, like, I'd be like, okay, cool. What do you do? Not knowing anything. Like I, like when you're young, you know, like what a doctor is, like what a paleontologist is because that's what they teach you in mm -hmm. elementary school. Mm -hmm. And you know, like random little, um, like little details of, of what careers are. And he would, he would say, oh, I'm a broker. Like he was a commercial real estate broker, mm -hmm. but he would just say, oh, I'm a broker. And I'm like okay cool like and i didn't know what that meant except like he too lived an epic life like got to go on cool vacations had the fun toys and stuff and not like it ever came from a place of jealousy but i was just like that's a little bit different than what my family has like mm -hmm. we're, we're a little bit more on the humble side 
Um, and so I was just like, that sounds cool. I don't know what a broker is, mm. but I want to be a broker. Yeah. And now I'm a broker. There you go. That's <laughs> awesome. That's so, awesome. I love it. So yeah, definitely a culmination of, of influential people. That's cool. Yeah. I didn't know you were a broker. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, welcome to the broker club, by the oh, way. Yes. Um, I have been for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so here's a question for you. In high school, mm -hmm. um, at Rancho Bernardo, mm -hmm. what was your favorite subject? Mm, I was, I liked just being a student. Um, there was like a class here and there where I really liked and really excelled. And then there was other classes where I was just like, all right, cool. Like I can just get through this. Um, I was very advanced in Spanish. I grew up with Spanish speaking in my home. Cause oh, my, yeah, my family lived in Colombia for a few so years. Had, you, had a, you had a fair advantage. Though. Yeah, yeah. So there was some some Spanish speaking, and I was also really um, involved in mission trips with my church growing up. So we went down to TJ a lot, and so Spanish was kind of just in my world. Um, so I was advanced in in Spanish. It was the only AP class I took and really nailed it, which I was proud of. Um, world history and U.S. history was always fun, just because it made sense. Like it just clicked. Like I was able to. I have like a photographic memory, and so I was able to like read through study guides and the textbooks and be like, okay, cool. Like I know the answer. So I was just. I liked being a student in the sense that like I knew the answer to every question when mm -hmm. the when the teacher would do random like quizzing around the class. Um, I didn't know that about you. Yeah, cool. yeah. And then I loved chemistry. I thought chemistry was fascinating. Mm -hmm. Did not do well in it in college, but I really loved um, chemistry in high school. So I thought that was really cool. And then um, I loved AP government. I didn't do very well, but I loved my teacher. My teacher for that class was my lacrosse coach. Okay. And so he was just, he was just, can I cool. cuss? Can I? He was a badass. Like, yeah. <laughs> Cool actually, <laughs> actually, that's my name for you. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he was just a cool guy. Like, loved the Lord. He was like, you could, you could just tell. Like, we we thought on the same page, yeah. and he was just a great, great guy. So I loved that class. I didn't necessarily do very well, but <laughs> um, still got my B's. Still got my A's and B's. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of again, it's a culmination of classes that I really liked. Cool. Yeah. So you graduate Rancho Bernardo High School. Mm -hmm. Then what? Um, I went to San Diego State University. Okay. Yeah, I did too. Yep, yeah, awesome. Go um, Aztecs. Go Aztecs. So uh, it was really funny. In by the time I got to my senior year of high school, I was having some difficulties with my parents, specifically my mom, and I was kind of just like, "Get me to a school that gets me far away from her." So, and I, my my parents never really encouraged college. Um, they're just like, no, you can go to a community co college and like figure out from there. And mm -hmm. I was like, no, like I'm going to a college. Like I've worked my butt off in school. Like I need, I, I need to get out of here. Um, and so f for no particular reason, I was just like university of Arizona. That's where I want to go. Mm -hmm. And that's where I applied. Mm -hmm. And everyone at, in my classes and like counseling was like, you should probably have a couple more schools you apply yeah, to. Like, backup. have your backups. Yeah. And I was like, why would I need a backup? Like, I know I'm going to get in. I know I'm going to get a... I'm determined. I know I'm going to get a scholarship, <laughs> like, because I have great grades. So I was like, why would I apply anywhere else? And they were like, just do it. And so I applied to TCU literally just because LaDainian Tomlinson went there, and I liked wow. the color purple. Love um, yeah, I applied to Arizona State because I was like, cool, Arizona sounds great. Like, mm -hmm. I love the desert. The mm -hmm. desert is, Palm Desert is one of my favorite places. So I was like, cool, they don't have a college that I want to go to out there, so I'll try for Arizona. And then I applied to three Cal State, 
universities on the very last day that you could apply for them. Um, and I was fortunate because I got like almost like a scholarship or like I got like a, a code or something, however they do it, that I was able to apply for free. Oh, cool. So I was like, okay, great. Like throw in a few on my hat. Like I, so I applied to both Cal Poly's and um, San Diego State. I refused to apply to Cal State San Marcos. Sorry, Cal State San Marcos. But I was like, my sister took a random course there in the summer and the teacher was a nightmare like ba like basically verbally and like emotionally abused her and I was like okay great like that just took my name out of that yeah, like I'm not, I'm not applying wrote that off. and um but that was kind of like a quote-unquote fallback school for mm -hmm. most of my high school and I don't know what the rules are anymore but when I was in high school the 56 freeway split San Diego County mm -hmm. for applying and so most kids I mean everyone applied to San Diego State that yeah. was like everyone's dream school like everyone loves San Diego <laughs> we get to stay here get to go to the cool school and so they applied there and then they also applied to Cal State San Marcos as their backup school mm -hmm. and I was like I'm not even that's not even an option I'm not doing that right. and so I really attest that to the fact that that's why I got into San Diego State instead of Cal State I don't know. It was probably like random hat draw kind of thing, mm -hmm. but I was the first person to get into my school. <laughs> I applied, like I said, I applied on the last day, very last minute, like I submitted at like 11.58 p.m. Wow. And I got in two weeks later. It wow. was my first acceptance letter, and I was like, okay, cool, that's nice. Like, yeah. at San Diego State, I just wasn't interested in, because okay. again, my parents didn't encourage school. I didn't go on school tours. So I just didn't know, yeah. um, and I knew I wanted to be somewhat far away, mm -hmm. um, but my cousin at the time was obsessed with San Diego State. She and her her boyfriend at the time had season tickets to all the basketball games, mm -hmm. and so they loved it. Like, yeah. it was so much fun for them, and so she, like, from that moment I got my acceptance letter, she was determined to get me to San Diego State. Oh, my gosh. That's and cool. so she was like, you're going. Like, she would send me all this fun stuff, all these articles, and then she's like, okay, you and Drew are going to a basketball game together. She's like, I will relinquish my ticket so that you can go and you're experience. experience. Yeah, it's an experience. It yeah. really is. And I went, where they lost that night, but I think that was the last time Kawhi, or that was the last season Kawhi was on oh, on wow. the team. And That was the best player they've ever yeah, had. Like yeah, that. he definitely was. I'm, yeah. I I love him. Yeah. Um, and so I went to a basketball game. Again, I have never experienced another basketball game. I'm sure the atmosphere is very similar at most schools, right. but I went and I was like, this is my school. This is where I need to go. Like, it was just, it was such a great experience. Yeah. And um, so I accepted. I, I chose San Diego State. And so I was there for all four years. That's where I got my undergrad degree. Um, yeah. So, That's cool. So, yeah. It was funny because University of Arizona was the very last place to accept me. Oh, really? And they gave me, like, five grand in scholarships a year. And I was like, cool. <laughs> Because I would have been out of state, so it's out of state tuition. Right. I would have paid for like one book a year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, all right, cool. Thanks. Well, thanks, guys. Like, yeah, peace I will out. stay yeah, in right. San Diego. Yeah. And it's funny when you grow up in San Diego, you kind of take advantage, and you you don't always recognize what you have yeah. until. I mean, fortunately, it wasn't gone. But like, when I got to San Diego State, everyone was like, oh my gosh this is my dream school. Like, I've always wanted to be here. Like, I've always dreamed of San Diego. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, I've grown up here. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, my God, you're so lucky. I'm yeah. like, yeah, okay. And then, like, the more I recognized it, like, the more San Diego grew on me. Like, mm -hmm. I really didn't appreciate San Diego until I got to San Diego State. And you see it through their eyes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's funny because some people, like, had this 
like Barbie vision that like it was gonna be like Malibu or like Hawaii or like tropical and I'm like no it's not like it's, we're a little little on the chillier side I would say like mm -hmm. we're we have the actual Pacific Ocean mm -hmm. <laughs> instead of like the Hawaii waves um but like we still got palm trees we're still cool we still surf like it's a great place so yeah there was it was kind of a culmination again of like people who are obsessed with San Diego and then people who like built up San Diego too much and then were super disappointed and I was like well, that's that's your own opinion, yeah. but like San Diego's pretty epic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, question for you: mm -hmm. What was your favorite subject in college? Anatomy, hands down. That okay. was the coolest. Why? That was the coolest freaking subject I've ever learned. Like, I I think that should be a general education course, like okay. high school or undergrad. That should be a, G, a GE class because why was it your favorite? You learn about the body. Okay. You learn about the human body, like from every single system, from like the cells, the muscles, the, the skeletal muscle, um, the skeletal, the respiratory, you learn all those different things. And it's a lot of information. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like stacks of note cards so that you can understand terminology. Mm -hmm. But like, I really had a grasp of like what this this whole thing is like right. it's not just it's not just a meat suit you know it's there's multiple intricate details mm -hmm. in it and like when I when I was at college um like I I had stepped away from church mm -hmm. and like really enjoyed science I, re I really thought science was cool so like I kind of took on this like the fact that science was my religion okay. and now looking back and like God is so in the details mm -hmm. of our bodies like it's it's like overwhelming. Mm -hmm. It's so cool. Um, but like cadavers, like I literally got to, I didn't get to touch cadavers, but I got to examine them. And that's just, that was fascinating to me. Like mm -hmm. seeing a dead body, seeing someone donate their body to science. And then, I mean, it's not as though they're like in jeans and a t-shirt still. Like It's a full naked body and you see them, they're like cut open in certain places. Um, you see a male and a female and you just see like the different, parts and pieces of a body mm -hmm. and I, I thought that was fascinating I was I like didn't want anatomy to end that was probably the one class where they're like oh we have extra study hours like on this day and I'm like I'm there like even post party night like not feeling too hot I was like I'm going to study hours even hung over. <laughs> oh yeah yeah even hung over I was like great like puke and rally <laughs> like get to, get to anatomy because <laughs> it was so fascinating to me there was just so much to learn gotcha. but yeah so when you graduated, mm -hmm. what was your degree in? Um, I got my grad, my degree in kinesiology with a emphasis as a fitness specialist. Okay, cool. And obviously, I don't do anything with that anymore. But well, it's a it's a science degree, so well, it's, it's, it's a little higher. Yeah. So, but but you got it. I did. Right. Yeah. Yep. And, and I would I would consider you an expert in kinesiology. Thank you. Yeah, I do. You certainly know more than I do. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's kind of like a passion project now. Like I using it in the gym you know i still still reach out to my friends who are personal trainers who are still not more knowledgeable than me and like keep up the research um but i do have a good foundation of like what's going on with my body and like I, there's occasional times where i get to help people with theirs um just for the knowledge that i that i accumulated which is cool gotcha yeah. so you graduate with kinesiology during kinesiology mm -hmm. where do you go there Liam? Um, that was the thing. That's kind of the frustrating part of getting a degree in kinesiology is you're like, great, like I just did four years. I've got the books. I've got the knowledge. I know everything. Come on, like, baby. I want to be like a fitness trainer. And they're like, great. Do you have a certificate? And I'm like, 
No. What's that? Yeah. You need a certificate in order to be like a personal trainer, a group fitness trainer. And I was like, no, I don't think you understand. Like I just spent four years of education. I probably know more than someone who read a textbook and took it like one, one textbook and took a test. Right. Like I've taken courses. I've taken years. Like I've dedicated my life. And that was. Wow. Like, to be honest, that's where I kind of realized college is a little bit of a dirty game. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a big business. There's other words I could say, but it's a big business. Well, it's, you know, it's not for everybody. No. Okay. Um, It's for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. you know, and there are a lot of people that that we interview and that I've met over the years that absolutely would not take back a second or a dime of what they invested in, in college. Yeah. Um, but college is about teaching you how to be an employee. Yeah. It's what they do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and when you find people who are entrepreneurs, yeah. and you're pretty entrepreneurial, <laughs> which I admire about you, um, when you find people who are entrepreneurs, they tend to look back at college and go, yeah. Yeah. Right? Because college is trying to teach you yeah. to be a good employee. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the people who started these universities, yeah. <clears throat> Pardon me. A lot of them are entrepreneurs, business owners, corporate you know, elite captains of industry, the whole thing. Yeah. And what they were doing was they were looking for people to help them build their companies. Yeah. That simple. They yeah. needed staff. They needed, yeah. you know, leadership. They needed all that. So it's kind of interesting um, when, you know, when you experience life after, after college, mm-hmm. how you look back at your college experience yeah. and, you know. I mean, I'm glad you did it. Yeah. I think you're glad you did it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, San Diego yeah. State was, I mean, call, undergrad was a great experience. It definitely taught me how to be independent because, again, my parents didn't encourage college. So, like, I spent freshman year in the dorms where they coddle you. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, great, great. You pay this amount and we'll give you your food, like, budget, and we'll give you a place to sleep, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas, and then I got to sophomore year, and I was like, "Hey, mom, can you help me pay my rent?" <laughs> and she was like, ah, "That's funny. I didn't care. You like that was your choice. Like it's your choice to be at college. So like you get to figure it out." Ooh. So got a job. Like I had some grants, which was really a big fortunate blessing. Yeah. Um, had some grants to get me through, but other than that, like that was when rent was still relatively affordable, even with a couple roommates. Yeah. And so I was able to work part-time at a job and- What'd you do? <laughs> I worked at Staples. Oh. I worked at Staples and like, it's so Shout funny. out to Staples. Yeah, oh gosh. It was so funny. I don't, I am so, after my freshman year, I went to Wisconsin and helped and I was like my family's nanny. Okay. So I helped nanny for eight weeks. Okay. And so while I'm there, I'm I'm like, okay, cool. Like school's in X amount of weeks. Need to prepare. Like need to get set myself up for a job. Um, and so I applied to hundreds of places. Literally okay. hundreds. Like this is 2013. I don't really know if the actual job market was awful back then or not. It wasn't that hot. Yeah. Um, we were we were recovering still okay. from the Great Recession of right. 2008. Yeah. Um, 2012, 2013, 2014. Mm-hmm. We were coming back, right? But not fully. Mm-hmm. I mean, we probably 15, 16 was when we really started to kind of hit our stride here. Yeah. Yeah. So I applied to like hundreds of places. And out of those hundreds, I think I got four or five interviews. Yeah. Um, mostly food service, just because that that's what I had 
done in high school. Right. Um, so I applied to all these places. I had an audition at Hot Dog on a Stick. <laughs> Literally, like, I don't know how they made it legal. I didn't sign. I signed, like, one waiver, and they put me on the line. I was like, okay, start doing things. And I was like, okay, like, no one's taught me anything. So I'm the kind of person where I don't necessarily do things right away. I will sit and learn. They're like, hey, no, I need you doing this. I'm like, how am I supposed to know? Like, I mean, I could, I've gone to hot dog on a stick all my life, but how was I supposed to know, like, how to use a register, your register? And exactly. Anyways, so they. I could really mess up that limit. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and so they were like, okay, well, they, like, I think I worked for like 25 minutes and then they're like, okay, great. Like now let's slow down. Let's take you in the back. Thanks so much. We probably won't be hiring you. Here's $25. Like have a nice day. And I was like. Uh, okay, great. That's okay. So, um, I had, yeah, I had, I, I mean, I'm just making up numbers. I don't remember exactly what it was, but, um, and then I had an interview at Staples and I literally went in like sandals and a sundress and I was like, okay, hey, great. Here I am. And they're like, okay, hey, great. When can you start? Like it's Staples. Wow. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I guess this is my option. Yeah. Um, but having that job made me appreciate school and that was when I was taking anatomy so that's how that like helped me really really get myself integrated in studies because going back freshman year I almost got kicked out because I had such a low grade <laughs> because I just overloaded myself did not understand school like have a photographic memory but also alcohol kind of impairs your abilities a little yeah just a little bit and so almost failed out my freshman year because my GPA was so low so fortunately going into sophomore year um, had oh, had a job at Staples. Was it the best job? No. Was it the worst job? No. But it wasn't what I wanted to do. So right. had that job at Staples. So it like helped me be obsessed with school because I was like, great, like I'm, I need to su succeed in something besides gotcha. partying. Like and so, um, and Staples kept me afloat just just enough that I was able to to make it. Um, and so yeah, so went through school and like was kind of. I don't, what was the original question? I don't even remember. That's okay. But, um, so, so you graduate with your undergrad yeah. in kinesiology. Okay, so where did, did I go Did you go to graduate that? school? Yes, yeah. So after San Diego State, again, I didn't know what I wanted you to do. You didn't have a certificate. I didn't have were, a certificate, right? So right. we were talking about... Yeah, yeah. insane. So, so to be a personal trainer... You have to though, go then study support and get a certification. Um, so I didn't have... Didn't have a job, didn't have, a, like, a leader on, on anything, and my roommate at the time was from Tucson, mm -hmm. and she was, and she is an athletic training major, and so she had a really cool opportunity to go help with the, the MLS teams out there, because okay. they do training out there, okay. um, and that was just where she was Major League Soccer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, just for people that... Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah not the, If anybody's listening not and you're the, not sure... Is there a real estate right. term for MLS? Yeah, well, there's a, there's a multiple listing service. Right, yes, that's what um, I mean. So, but, but they soccer, don't play soccer. Yeah. The multiple listing service doesn't play yeah, soccer. Yeah, so soccer training camps out there. <laughs> um, and so she's like, all right, cool. Like, you don't have anything figured out. Do you want to come, like, move to Tucson with me? It might just be for the summer or it might be a place where you find your next job. Mm -hmm. So we moved to Tucson. We lived in a studio apartment both both the two of us and then she had a cat and I had a dog so that it was, was crowded yeah slightly that was not the most crowded situation <clears throat> I've ever been in but it was crowded um and so again I was like okay cool like kinesiology like fitness what can I get into um so I worked at LA fitness for like two weeks and mind you it's Tucson it's the middle of the summer I love the desert but I don't love being the desert in business uniform 
going out, handing out flyers to people outside of Target. That was literally my job at. Well, it's 125 degrees. Yeah, yeah. cuz I was I was in the sales department because I didn't have my certificate. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they had me go out, like get out of the office and like go hand out tickets and flyers to to people out. Free memberships. Yeah. Like um so I quit that job. I was like, I'm sorry. Like I'm I, no, like absolutely not. Mm -hmm. So then I found a job at Planet Fitness and I was there for the remainder of the time I was there in Tucson. Meanwhile, I'm still applying to jobs I think all over the country. Mm -hmm. Like some in San Diego obviously, um some in Tucson and at this point I'm like I'll, I'll go anywhere. I don't really care. Um so I ended up getting a fitness job at Welk Resort here okay. in Escondido. Okay. Um, they have like a, like a beautiful fitness facility for, for the timeshare resort. And I was just, I was a fitness attendant. They didn't really care about any of my qualifications. They cared that I had per, I had cert, like customer service experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and <laughs> I got hired on the fact that I was hot. So <laughs> and I don't really care if they hear that because that's a, just so you know, that was your company and that's how you, you guys hired me. <laughs> so. Okay. Um, that does happen mm -hmm. in corporate America, mm -hmm. so yeah. yeah, especially for the fitness attendant. Um, so I packed everything up, moved back home to um, to San Diego, and that's where I've been living. Or like, so now I've I'm now in North County, right? Um, so lived in North County with like my dad, and I found a place which was nice. Um, and so I worked at Welk Resort for a couple years. Um, and then while I was at Welk, I decided to go back to school because, again, I loved being a student. That was kind of part of my identity was being a student. And so I was like, all right, well, it's been six months. Like, I feel like I should be doing something more because you get into this mindset of, like, I have a degree. I know I'm meant for something more. I should do something more. Mm -hmm. So what's the next step? Mm -hmm. And so I decided to get my master's degree. I went through an online school called AT Still University. It's specifically, like, a kinesiology, health, and wellness school. Okay. Um, so I did that. That one, I, I mean, I don't like to use the word regret, but like that one, I regret. Like, I don't, I, I don't need, don't need that. Like I should have learned my lesson from the undergrad of at the end of the day, like the fitness world doesn't give a rip about you unless you've got a certification. And so I like, I didn't really ex exactly have a plan of what I wanted to do with a master's degree, I thought I kind of had like these notions of like, Oh, I'll be like a fitness manager. Like I always wanted to be someone who like could use my knowledge, do a little bit of sales, take care of the team. Um, but I never like, I mean, it's something I could have created, you know, but yeah, I just, I, I couldn't conceptualize like now I can't conceptualize what I wanted. Um, but I painted like a picture of like, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm going to get my master's degree, another check off the list. And then I'm going to be like, everyone's going to want to hire me. Mm -hmm. And like, that's honestly the mindset that a lot of people get after college is like, I have this exactly what they want on their checklist and now everyone's going to want to hire me. Um, so again, like master's school did teach me more time management because I had a full-time job. I did full-time school. Um, I think I had two jobs at one point. Yeah, I had the Welk job, and then I had another person, like a fitness job, and I did school. So wow. I did those. Um, That's a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I, like, that one, again, was time management, but also, like, I, I don't use my degree. And not to say that, like, 
it's it was a waste of time but at the same time like it was a waste of time it was a waste of money it was a waste of loans to uh, to try to just get another thing on my checklist and um, I probably could have done with just Steve still working and there's there's honestly a couple people who I've talked to where they're like okay I think I'm gonna go go get my master's degree next I'm like hold up mm-hmm. like get out into the workforce go see what you actually want to do like test out a couple things mm-hmm. before you spend tens of thousands more dollars on money for a degree that either you're not going to use or an employer is not going to give a rip if you have it or not right um and you know it's it, to each person is different but like for the friends that i do have that i speak into their lives who are interested in pursuing a master's degree like i have told them like hold up like go see what you actually want to do because we're in 2023 like people can get famous and rich off of nothing Mm -hmm. you know and that's not to say like everyone's destined to be an influencer in their own degree but at the same time like there are a lot of different avenues Mm -hmm. besides going through the standard route of four six eight years of college Mm -hmm. and that's just those are the conversations like and that's from my own personal experience and each person can do their own it's not as though i've ever forced them to not go to go do more school but at the end of the day, that's that's really where I believe like we have gone wrong, especially for universities that don't teach us how to think anymore. They just teach us what to think, mm-hmm. and that's the biggest the biggest issue I have with with colleges and universities and higher education is because you do get sucked into a system of being their employee mm-hmm. because you're a constant student, and then you just like the best thing you can do is go be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And I did have a lot of people tell me that. They're like, oh my God, you'd be a great professor. You'd be a great this, you'd be a great that. I'm like, hey, yeah, like I probably would, but mm-hmm. it's kind of just because I'm regurgitating exactly what you've told me for the past four to six years. So again, you're, I don't know how to think and how to help my, I wouldn't know how to help my students think. I would know, I would know how to tell them what to think mm-hmm. and what to, what to learn. Um, yeah, but see, I, you mind if I interrupt you? Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the way you would be. I don't think, no. I don't think knowing you. Yeah. Okay. But again, that's why I would be, I, if I were to be a teacher, it mm-hmm. wouldn't be in a university sit- setting because that's to, to, in my opinion, I believe that you've got the overhead people who are telling you like, mm-hmm. what are these, like, what are these mm-hmm. kids thinking? Mm-hmm. Not look great like they're thinking outside of the box they're thinking like fortunately my master's degree did help me do that mm-hmm. I was still we were still in a school setting where we were taught like how to think like how to formulate like, we, we did some really cool projects did some cool things and I had a very different um perspective on the fitness industry because I was working I had my job at Welk compared to everyone else everyone else had like consistent clients right you know who they could have like as their experiments on basically mm-hmm. whereas I had people who were there for a week and gone mm-hmm. and then they'd come back a year later right. or like some people were there for extended stay so I kind of had quote-unquote clients mm-hmm. um but yeah I did have but the vast majority of what you had were timeshare clients because mm-hmm. Welk is a timeshare right resort yeah um and like you said they're there once a year mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah kind of an interesting yeah interesting take yeah definitely so i have do you mind if i share something with you mm-hmm. i have a belief mm-hmm. um and the belief is that god's never going to give you more than you can handle right and the things that you experience the things that you go through yeah. that are struggles mm-hmm. are god's way of preparing you yeah to help other people mm-hmm. in the future yeah that are going through the same type of thing. So 
you're an example, I believe, of of what I of what I believe. Mm -hmm. And that is you you had this idea of getting your getting your master's degree, getting your master's degree, mm -hmm. this is this is what's gonna happen. The world's gonna open up for me. Yeah. Right. And what you found was something different than that. Yeah. What I admire the most about you is, I admire a lot of things, right? but <laughs> what I admire the most about you is you were willing to step up and tell people, look, it's not what you think it's going to be, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You need to be thinking about this in terms of, of what reality, more like what reality yeah. is mm -hmm. versus what you have worked up in your mind. Yeah. Because it sounds like your experience was you had this worked up in your mind yeah. and then you graduate and reality hits and yeah. you're kind of like, Whoa, yeah. hello. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I, that, that's a big deal to me. Yeah. And the reason why I feel like, well, there's a lot of reasons, but one of the biggest reasons why I feel like you would be an amazing professor in a university mm -hmm. is I don't believe that you would be taking the party line or holding towing the party line in terms of this is what you have to espouse. Yeah. One of the biggest problems I have with universities now is we've gone away from the Socratic method. Mm -hmm. yeah. We have now gone to, this is what you need to learn. Mm -hmm. This is how you cheat yep. to get, to get ready for your test. Mm -hmm. Here's the test. It's open book. If we need to be it up, if we need to have an open book, just so we can have people pass a, a yeah. number of, you know, a percentage pass, yeah. right? Um, and it it becomes this sort of rote deal. Yeah. Whereas in the Socratic method, which by the way, honestly, it's the way I raised my children. Yeah. The Socratic way, method. Mm -hmm. Okay. It is more challenging. Yeah. It's much much easier. Oh, yeah. To take a script mm -hmm. that somebody gives you. And just deliver the script every day. Yeah. It's boring, but it's a much easier thing to do. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I believe. Yeah. And I think you do too, that there's a certain party or a certain way of, of thinking mm -hmm. that's, let's say, more leftist mm -hmm. um, that doesn't question anything. They yeah. don't question anything. Yeah. They just go by what they're told. Yeah. Okay. Which is funny because... <clears throat> I mean, go, it goes to the parties like they've definitely had their reversals because that used to be the leftist. The leftist used to think like, or the, the the liberals used to think, you know, like let's really think about this. Like those were, those were the higher ups in in the universities. Like think, you like Berkeley is a pretty standard example mm -hmm. of like let's really like think outside the box. And they call like, it critical um, thinking. Yeah. And what they're doing is, or what they used to do is, they used mm -hmm. to have an open conversation mm -hmm. about. Here's what happened in our history. Yep. Now, let's be honest. The history of the United States is pretty checkered, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. But the history of the world is checkered. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what you look at. And I, I'm talking even Switzerland, Austria, all these places that people think of as, you know, this the, they're, they're perfect, right? Right. They're not. No. And if you look at their history, you'll find that they have a checkered past similar to what the United States has. Yeah. The thing is... And I'm a huge believer of this. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason we're doing this podcast, by the way, is we want to affect the way people are thinking. We yeah. want them to start opening up and thinking differently. Yeah. And, and I'm talking some, you know, I'm, I'm talking thinking objectively. Mm -hmm. There's a very famous person that once said, if you ignore history, you're going to repeat it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. 
this whole thing of tearing down Columbus's statues and all these other things that, that people are doing, they're trying to erase our checkered past. Yeah. I get what they're doing and why they're doing it. The mm -hmm. problem is we need to learn from it. You were a history student. You loved history in, mm -hmm. in high school. And one of the things that I believe comes from a, from a, from a, from an innate knowledge of history or a developed knowledge of history mm -hmm. is we learn what not to do. Yeah. We learn how unbelievably ancient we were yeah. at the time that these things happened. Right. If you look at what happened though, mm -hmm. it, they had to survive. Yeah. People had to survive mm -hmm. and they had to try to figure out how to thrive. Yeah. Okay. Did they make the best decisions? No. Yeah. Did they know that they were doing bad at the time? Probably. Yeah. But they were trying to do what they could right. in a time that is not today. When we were developing as a nation, we were developing as a world, the yeah. whole thing. Mm -hmm. I believe we need to study those things in detail yeah. and learn from our mistakes. Yeah. Period. Definitely. So anyway. That's just my take on it. Yeah. And I just, just so you know, I'm one of your biggest fans. Thank okay. <laughs> so, so you, so you graduate with your, with your master's degree, mm -hmm. kind of a disappointment, right? Then what happens? Um, so I actually got fired from Welk, um, a month before I finished my master's degree. Uh, <laughs> I had an inappropriate relationship with a coworker, basically. Uh oh. Uh huh. And he, he, took me into HR. Uh oh, so, mm -hmm. that's not good. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that was a big, big crash in my world. Probably should have turned my life back to Jesus at that moment mm -hmm. and just like fully surrendered. But it's just, it, it wasn't what I thought to do. Yeah. And so I had like a crying fit and just got back up on my feet and started finding other avenues. I had um, I had a part-time job still at that time, and so I was a group fitness trainer for women over 40, which is cool. Kind of funny because I'm not anywhere close to 40, but right. um, they loved my energy, and they were fun to, to train. Yeah. So um, I was a group fitness trainer, and then I kind of just went back to, to finding extra jobs, finding extra fitness places. Because at this point, I did have – I did get my personal um, – training certificate and I got my group training certificate. So I was like, great. Now I've got the, the check boxes, all these people want. Right. Um, so and, was, the, and the bachelors and the masters. And the bachelors right? and the masters. Yeah. And so they, so I started going out and just finding more group fitness jobs. And then I also became a dog walker. <laughs> there was this app called wag and it was like the Uber for dog walking mm -hmm. where it's like, Hey, this person needs you to walk scruffy like tap to reserve it, you know? And so I was driving all over kingdom come to mm -hmm. go walk dogs, which was definitely therapeutic. And mm -hmm. I know Maddie can attest to this. Like Absolutely. you just, you, sometimes you just need to have a season where you hang out with dogs. <laughs> so I would just like have my headphones on, plug into a podcast and, um, and go walk, walk a bunch of dogs all over the County. And so that was really fun. Um, so I, that was probably part of like where my entrepreneurial spirit started. Yeah. Um, so I just had all these different little things. And then I was helping this woman. She has like a, a, a like a healthy meal planning service mm -hmm. out of her kitchen. So mm -hmm. I'd go over to her house on Sundays and I would help her with all the meal preps for her clients. And I would do random meal prep helpings for the, the random personal trainer clients that I would have. And so I was just like at any one time I had during that period, I had 
about five jobs and it wasn't five full-time jobs. It wasn't five part-time jobs. It was five gigs, you know, but I still had five different like locate streams of income, mm-hmm. <laughs> not the most ideal way, but yeah, I had five different things that I was doing. So I was like, all right, great. Like I need to make rent. Like I need to pay for gas, need to eat some food. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was still, I was personally training and, um, all these different, different gigs that I could pick up. And then, uh, at the time, to- at the same time, like one of the neighborhoods I was walking a dog over in Oceanside, um, I saw that EOS fitness, um, gym was going in. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, great, like brand new gym. I've got my certificates. Like I'm going to go be a personal trainer at this epic gym. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I waited, I waited, I waited, like still worked my other several jobs and like waited for them to be like, Hey, cool. We are opening. And so took a long time, but I did finally get into that gym. It was, it was fun. Um, and again, they loved all my credentials. They loved that I had a master's degree and all my certificates. They would send all the clients to me. Um, one thing I never learned in, school was sales Mm -hmm. the art of sales and so they don't teach it no and so to be honest that's why i would probably not recommend like a bachelor's of science a master's of science like is a highly accredited actual degree to end up with Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day like kinesiology should be someone's passion project like Mm -hmm. i would tell anyone like if you are interested in going to college go go for business Mm -hmm. go for business go learn the art the basics of business Mm -hmm. and then go take your passion project and turn that into a business Mm -hmm. um i wish if i could go back to san diego state and do it i would go i would do that i would Mm -hmm. go learn business get the basic fundamentals down and then go take whatever I'm interested in and turn that into a business. Right. And that's probably what I would recommend for most people. Um, so I never learned the art of sales. I didn't learn how to keep keep clients. And again, this is when I'm listening to all these podcasts. So to be honest, I didn't have like the correct discernment of what exactly is supposed to work. Like on one hand, you've got a calorie deficit. It's all about a calorie deficit for someone. And then on the other hand, it's you, you know, eat, eat like a high fat diet and eat this and do this and do like, and train your, train your muscles to do something different every day. And then like over here, it's like, no, you want it standardized so that your muscles grow over time. And I know, I know what is the right, the proper way to do things now. But during that time I was kind of using all my clients as like, all right, let's just start like do experiments. Like let's have you do this. Let's have you do this. And so I was kind of all over the place. Um, I built good relationships with them during that time, but I also, um, like took on all of their lost weight. Like if there's a, if whatever the balance is of like things are lost, but things are gained, that's exactly what happened. Like they were losing weight and I was continuously gaining weight because it was like, it was probably just stressful in general. Um, because again, I had like four or five jobs and I was trying to make rent and like, even though the pay for personal training was good. I also had all of a sudden, like my student loans were back in order, you know, like had to start paying those back. And so I was freaking out because I was barely getting by, like with five jobs was barely getting by. Um, and I, like I saw clients just kind of drop off because personal training is not cheap and it's not for the weak of heart. You know, it's for people who are like committed, want to get that that one-on-one coaching are in it to win it are in it to see themselves change. Mm-hmm. Um, and just things started happening. Like some, like clients got injured or clients were 
too old or because that was my one of my specialties is geriatric sciences mm-hmm. and so I was like great like I want to help older people like age age well like age gracefully like age not in pain um but at the end of the day like they're just their bodies weren't able to to handle it and it's not as though I had them doing burpees by any means mm-hmm. but you know just the new movements were very shocking to their their systems um and then we had like as with any corporate place corporate gym especially there was a whole change in management you know like the cool manager who I had um and wasn't just cool because like he was the cool guy but like he thought outside the box you know he was different he had tattoos all over his body like he read really interesting books he thought of things in a different perspective he supported his team but I mean I don't know what actually happened I'm sure he said something inappropriate to someone and someone got their feathers ruffled and so he was fired. Hmm. And so one day he was there and the next day he wasn't. And I don't, like, he just, I don't know. He disappeared. And so hmm. then I had this new manager. New manager was just a cardboard box. Hmm. He was just straight from corporate of just like, this is how we're going to do things. This, please do this, you know. And I was like, I don't, I don't do well with cardboard boxes of right. people. Like, I'm sorry. Like, grow up here and, like, find out something different about yourself. Um, <laughs> and so I just, I really, like... I've left jobs because I just don't like management. Mm. Like, I, I don't do well with the person running my life in mm. that job. And so I, I pretty much just up and quit that job. I, I hate to say it. I've told so many people to, to, try to try to quit gracefully, put in your two weeks, do your due diligence. And then there's other times where I'm like, you know what? I probably shouldn't tell people that because sometimes you just need to leave a freaking job. Mm-hmm. Like, don't sit there any longer. Just, sometimes it's just toxic. You just need to get the yeah. heck out. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was that one. That that was that job because, and I knew I was going to quit that day because he asked me to come in. He wanted to have a talk with me mm-hmm. about something I said to a, a client. And I, the conversation I had with the client was, you should probably get on some vitamins. I have this brand that I've, like I've started working with, it was an MLM, but whatever. Um, I was like, Hey, try these. And she literally told my manager that I was pushing them on her. And I was like, okay, sister Christian, like <laughs> what back off. So yeah. like, I remember recording that entire conversation because I thought like it was going to be some sort of legal thing. It was going to be some sort of issue. And I basically told him, I was like, okay, great. That's literally not sure of any of it, by the way, I'm quitting. Mm-hmm. So figure out what to do with my clients. Sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm out of here. Right. So I quit. Um, and I had like, I took like a week off of that job. Still had all my other little gigs. And then I was just like, I don't know what I want to do. I really don't because personal training just has not panned out. And then I, I thought about becoming my own personal trainer, like my own business. And my, my dad has had an entrepreneurial spirit all my life. But he was the kind of person who was like, yeah, you're going to have to get into a lot of debt in order to make money as an entrepreneur. And I was like, that sounds horrifying. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm already X amount of dollars in student debt, and then you want me to go even more in debt while I'm not making money Mm -hmm. in order to become an entrepreneur. And so that just, like, got my mind all twisted. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I understand it. You're going to have to go through a storm in order to come out the other side for entrepreneurship. But to me, that just the way that it was being taught and, like, how it was actually going to go about it, it freaked me out. Mm-hmm. It just freaked me out. So I was like, you know what? Back to food service I go. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew I was good at food service. So I worked at this cafe 
um, starting at, like, end of 2019 mm-hmm. and then through the pandemic. And, like, it was fortunately a God story because we stayed open. Like, wow. we, we modified everything. Nobody did. Yeah, we modified. Like, I think we took two days off. Wow. Yeah. And so, like, closed you the actual... Know, you do know there were restaurants that were closed for oh, over know. a year. Oh, I fully know. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, by the way, a lot of them were bankrupt now. Yeah, but that that owner of that business, she had just taken over that business, three mm. like, five months before COVID hit. Oh. And she was like, yeah, no, like, I'm not letting this thing sink. Like, yeah. if, if whoever, if you don't want to work, fine. You're not going to have a job. I'm not going to pay you for not working. Right. But, like, if you're interested in working, like, we have client, client because it was in Rancho Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. And, like, anyone who knows anything about Rancho Santa Fe people is, like, they want their places. Yeah. They have the money to mm-hmm. keep those places open. They have, like, the loyalty to keep those places open. And so that place stayed open. Mm-hmm. And so we closed the restaurant. You couldn't sit down. Everything was to go. You know, everything was nuts. Like, and, but we went to, we went to work. We were all in our freaking masks, whatever. Um, but we kept that, that, that place stayed open the whole time. That's and crazy. yeah, it was wild. Like through Easter, Easter was super busy. And then, you know, things like as the county did start slowly opening, we were able to socially distance everyone and everyone was able to like sit and mm. with, again, with masks on and like that place stayed open. And then, but at the same time, like the whole world was crazy. Like people are nuts still mm-hmm. and they, people were just rude and like mm-hmm. people didn't want to put on masks. And I was the only person who never enforced masks, you mm-hmm. know, like, and then my boss would tell me to tell the people to enforce masks and then I, I'm just ignore her. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm, I don't believe this. Like my favorite, my favorite, um, like my, my favorite thing someone ever said was because masks like COVID started March mm-hmm. masks weren't enforced until like end of April, beginning of May. Mm-hmm. And so my favorite thing someone ever said was like, this is like putting on a, a condom at the baby shower. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. It, so mm-hmm. from the moment I was like, this is so stupid. Yeah. So I never enforced it, you know, like person in my face talking, I had my mask on cause I had to. And she was like, you need to tell those people to put their mask on. I'm like, no. Like you, you do it. It's your business. Mm-hmm. I'm an employee. You need, you kind of need me to say, keep this place afloat still. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a rule follower mostly. And then I just see when things are stupid and those are the rules I don't follow. Right. <laughs> um, and so that was just a really frustrating job. Like, I mean, any job during the pandemic was frustrating. Well, people, people were climbing the walls. They were absolutely climbing the walls. Yeah. And, you know, there were a lot of alcoholics that were developed. There were a lot of drug, oh, yeah. you know, relapses and yeah. drug addicts. I mean, it was insane what yeah. people were doing. Because, yeah. you know, and one of the things we did learn mm-hmm. is we learned how therapeutic it is to work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. How, how badly people need to leave the, the house yeah. and go to work and do what they do and then yeah. come back. Right? Because... You and you know we went. Maddie was in college mm-hmm. <clears throat> in Los Angeles. Yeah, and we went up to get her, and they had shut everything down like the yeah. day before. Yeah, we went up there. There's a we were on five going up to the downtown Los Angeles. Right, and there's a, there's a spot at Norwalk mm-hmm. where it's notoriously always stopped. Yeah. It's you know it takes quite a while to get through all that kind of thing. There wasn't a single yeah. car mm-hmm. on. The freeway. Yep. I took a photo of it oh, yeah. because it was that weird, yeah. right? Yeah. And we ended up getting up there in an hour and twenty-five minutes. Never done that before. Yeah, never we got back in an hour and twenty-three minutes. Yeah. I mean, it was like Unheard this of. is insane. Yeah. 
cool but insane and it felt weird yeah right like it was just like this i you know i don't know how to explain it it was surreal yeah. Oh, yeah. i guess you know yeah and it was it was one of those things we brought maddie we had a two-bedroom two-bath 1144 square foot condo yeah that we were renting yeah don't ever do this um and we brought maddie back and she stayed with us for a couple of months right you learn a lot about your child yeah. when you spend that amount of time mm -hmm. in that smallest space yeah right and she didn't have anything to do either because school was closed yeah you know businesses were closed the club the business that i worked out was locked down yeah um i mean you know and so you just kind of go hmm what are you gonna do now yeah. right and i told madison this after all that happened mm -hmm. i had admired her greatly before yeah but it went up tenfold yeah no joke. Yeah. I mean, I fell in love with that girl all over again, <laughs> you know? Um, and I didn't know, I didn't know I could love her that much. Yeah. I mean, it was really that amazing. Um, so there were, there were positives that came from it, oh, but of it yeah. was nuts to see how people reacted yeah. and how sort of the thing that was scary for me mm -hmm. was how it felt like there was so many people, like mm -hmm. such a large portion of the population where there was almost this psychosis that was existing underneath the surface. Yeah. And the pandemic brought it out. Yeah. Like the people just lost their minds. Oh yeah. You know? And I was like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but yeah. that's, that's really cool that you were working for a place that stayed open. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you make it through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Then what happens? Um, so I just got to like, because you're in Rancho Santa Fe, the tips were pretty sick. It was pre like decent tips, you know? Like, you'd have, like, Phil Mickelson walk in. And you're just mm -hmm. like, hey, like, I know who Phil Mickelson is. Mm -hmm. All the other girls are just like, okay, great, he's a customer. And I was like, that's Phil Mickelson. Like, right. are you, <laughs> like, that's really cool. Right. Um, and so, like, tips are good. But at the same time, you're dealing with, like, 95% psycho people mm -hmm. who just want a freaking muffin. And kind of want to be a jerk about it, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so I finally just, and, and again, I left that job because of the management. Like, I liked the the gumption that the lady had who owned it. But on the other hand, I was like, you're, you're just a parent over my shoulder at this mm -hmm. point. Like you're watching every single thing I do. And like this, again, I see, I see things that I don't agree with. They're stupid rules. And finally I was just like, you know what? I'm leaving. Like <laughs> just, I up and left and I'm, I'm sorry to the, the owner of that bakery, but I just, I had to just get out of there. I felt comfortable where I was financially and I was like, you know what? It's summer. I need to enjoy like the last two months of, of summer season mm -hmm. of 2020 and just not want to be suicidal by the time I am done with the job at the end of the day. Yeah. So well, I it had that effect on people too. Where yeah. They, they got to a place to where they were like, okay, I need to enjoy life more. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. so um, kind of funny, like just the beginning of the biggest God story is the morning I quit that job my now business partner Mark Means called me up and was like, Hey kiddo, how you doing? Like what what are you doing? I I know it's world we're like it's a weird world out there, but like what are you doing? Tell me tell me about your life. And I was like, Oh well I just quit a job this morning <laughs> And he was like, funny because um, you know, I've been you know, I'm I'm an insurance broker and it's funny because he was my insurance agent. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I'm 
getting to a point where I'm, I'm interested in retiring soon, but, um, you know, I'd love to have you on our, on our team and see if you're, you know, interested in, in being part of our business. Brock is still here. Brock, his son is the other part of the business. And he was like, why don't you just come in? Let's catch up. Let's have like a little, little meeting interview thing. And so I went in like dressed up, like interview clothes. And he was like, he, I mean, we're super casual at the office. Like he wears like a short sleeve button down and cargo shorts every day. Um, and so I went in like, here's my resume, like I'm all prim and proper. And he's like, what's up? How's it going? Mm -hmm. And we just had a conversation. He's like, I don't really well, he know. He'd known you most of your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's like, well, I don't really know how to explain this job, but we'll just put it like, we'll just mark it as like, you'll be my executive assistant. And so that's what I was. So I started out, so I started like a week later, started like the day before 9-11. I always remember that as like my anniversary. Mm -hmm. And um, sat down at the desk, had no idea what I was doing. He had, a, he had another assistant who helped with things. Um, but yeah, I started out as his executive assistant. And during that time he was like, cool, like I would really like to help you get your license in insurance. And I was like, cool. I don't do sales. Mm -hmm. I, I do not do sales. If, if you make this job about sales, I won't do well. I will quit. Like, do not make me do sales. He's like, I don't want you to do sales. And I was like, okay, like, <laughs> okay. And so I studied my butt off to get my license. That look is really cute, by the way. Like, what are you up like, to? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, great. If you want to pay for my test, like, go back into being a student. Okay, but that was adorable. Yeah. So we're <laughs> um, studied my butt off. It was the hardest test I've ever taken. Like, kinesiology had some difficult tests. And then this one, I was like, because it's, again, it's, it's California regulations. You know, it's, again, they're teaching you what to think. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I'm already doing the job mm -hmm. of an insurance broker mm -hmm. and so i'm learning how to think mm -hmm. and, yeah. and they just did not they did not go well they together. so i mesh. literally had to use what i knew from the study guide and the things that kind of matched in the industry and put those together to pass with like within an inch of my life you know and that's i mean all you have to do is pass you mm -hmm. just have to pass it once and you're good to go mm -hmm. Um, and so I passed my test December of 2020 and it was so exciting. So then was that the life insurance test? No, that's pro property and casualty. Okay. That's what I have my license. I'm studying for life insurance right now. Which I is, passed that test. By the, way. Oh, so boring. the life insurance test. It's so boring. I passed it. Good. I'm not, I can't that's believe good. I stayed awake to study for it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. property casualty is so much fun. There's so many moving parts. Like again, I have a photographic memory, so you just, like my brain sits out here mm -hmm. and I just like remember like when to pull different pieces of knowledge. Like mm -hmm. I have to pray and ask God for expansion of my mind constantly because I'm like, okay, cool. Like we're doing some projects. Oh, we're doing some more projects. Oh, we're doing some more projects. And then all of a sudden I'm like, do I have the capacity? I'm like, yes, I do have the capacity, but like I need to pray into it that like my mind will literally expand to like hold all of these new file folders mm -hmm. that are coming in. Yeah. Um, so 2021 started off, um, and that's when I had my, my license, you know, so I was actually official, like got, got to start making commissions. Like I had never made commissions in my life. That was so exciting. Um, and I have a salary, so it's beautiful. Like mm -hmm. I have the best of both worlds. It's, it's ideal. 
Um, and then remember, I wanted to be a broker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I'm literally a broker. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So uh, that was just the start of the journey of like going on. 2021 was was cool. Got to see some actual like making money, like learning the business. We had open markets. Like 2021 was probably the last year where, I mean, to be honest, it was it was like the last trickling effects of like Trump business, like Trump times. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. business was open. Business was good. Like other companies are non-renewing people. Cool. Like we get to bring them in. We get to pull them in. We get to make sure that they're covered. They're now in our wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. So 2021 was successful. It was cool. Um, and then towards the end of 2021, I was dating a guy and he was a Marine. He was moving to North Carolina to go be in MARSOC, um, which is like the the Navy SEALs of the Marines. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, like, as we were aging in our relationship, he was like, I'd like you to move with me. And I so I had to have a sit down with Mark and be like, you know, I'm thinking of moving on with my life and, um, and like, I want to go move with this guy to North Carolina. I was like, what does that look like? He goes, well, you won't be part of my agency anymore, mm-hmm. unfortunately, because yeah, it's an office job. Yeah, it's you could do this remote. But his plans for me, because he was retiring, were to be the new principal of the agency. Mm. So his son and his wife and um, live in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And they made that move several years ago because they're just like, California's nuts. Mm. Like, we can, be, we can still be part of this, but we're not going to be the California people. Mm. And so that's really why Mark brought me in is because he needed he needed someone he could trust Mm -hmm. and who he already knew who could like grow into the position to take the 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 agency because he could have hired just someone someone could have just ran the agency from the California side but they wouldn't have been connected or God forbid he had to not close the agency obviously but like it just. It, it wouldn't have been what it still is, okay. you know, like those clients would have been lost because Brock and his wife wouldn't have been able to, to hold it down because we have to have a brick and mortar. We have to have someone representing California being in California for okay. a lot of our, our, our contracts. Um, so I had that conversation with Mark and I was like, okay, like I'm looking at moving to North Carolina. What does that look for, like for me? He goes, you, you won't be part of this anymore. And he was like, I'll be, that'll be upset or upsetting. Like, I'm not going to hold a gun to your head, but this is what I've carved out for you. This is what I want for you. But like. And this is what I need. Yeah, this is what I need essentially. But at the end of the day, he's like, I can't, I can't nail you down to California if you don't want to go. Like, if you want to go move on with your life and go do that, like, by all means, go for it. Mm -hmm. And so I just remember sitting there in a conundrum because that was my first relationship I had ever been in. Um, And this is the most like. This is the first opportunity where I like really felt I was in a place where I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it was like splitting and I was like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> yeah, you gotta make a choice. What do I do? And I mean, yeah, I again like I wasn't in church at that time and I was just like like looking up, I was like, what the heck am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing the answer of the answer will be to break up with your boyfriend. And so I remember beginning of 2022 you know we're having this like very emotional conversation of like what am I going to do like I wanted to go move with him I don't know if I could and uh, I it really came down to this one question and again this is where if you don't learn from your history like you're not going to be able to 
to move forward and like do something like change it for the better and um I asked him I was like would you put my name on the title of the home like I'm leaving my family what little friends I had it really didn't have any friends um I'm leaving this incredible opportunity to go move to the other side of the country with you where you know nobody I don't know nobody except know anybody except for you mm -hmm. and like I would probably become friends with you some of your marine friends I don't know mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, would you put my name on the title of the home? I was like, I'm not asking for 50%. You can put my name on as like 3%. Would you put my name on the title of the home? And he said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> did you ask him why? Um, I didn't necessarily have to. He told me and I, I've, I have this notion or like this, I guess it's a hypothesis. I don't know. Or someone had told me one time where like, your childhood traumas need to match in order to like be good together. And I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I, I did think about that at the time where he grew up in a very broken family. Like dad was not there and he basically had to rely, rely on himself. He only trusted himself. He could only rely on himself. Like mom was in the picture every once in a while, but like he only trusted himself. Hmm. The thing that I learned from was my mom when my mom got married the second time, she moved to Texas with the husband at the time and he didn't put her name on the home. They were married, but Texas, there's some sort of Texas law and her name was nowhere on the home title. So when she split because he was a monster of a man, basically, mm. she got nothing. And that scared the living daylights out of me. Mm. And so that was what I learned. And that was why I had to ask this mm. question. That was like the well thing. it's a commitment question it totally is yeah you know, and like we what level are you willing to go mm -hmm. yeah and so. again like we both were in that relationship knowing that we wouldn't get married he didn't want marriage i at the time didn't want marriage either so i was like great like we'll just be like together forever without a real commitment mm -hmm. not a problem and so that was why i asked that question he was like dude i don't even want to get married i'm never gonna i'm not gonna put your name on the title of a home that i own and that was the first time I heard God say, get out. Like that was, or like I heard God speak to me for the mm -hmm. first time. And he was like, get out right now. And like just a ball of like I'm a bawling mess, mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, that feeling when you cry so hard, like your ears clog up, your nose clog up, like your eyeballs are basically glued shut. Mm -hmm. Like everything is closed up. The moment he said no, everything cleared up. <laughs> and it gets me emotional because it's just, it's wild to think of like where I am now. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I kind of just had to pack myself up from, from that relationship and, and, and leave. Yeah. And it was really upsetting. Like had to see him for a couple more months cause we went to the same gym together. Mm -hmm. um, saw him for a couple more months and, and then I knew I would probably never see him again. Yeah. And he, so he's in North Carolina or God knows where else mm -hmm. in the country um, or around the world. And, uh, so I, I told Mark, I was like, this is what happened. Like crying my heart out to Mark. Like we have a very special relationship because right. we're very business, but we're also very personal with each yeah, other. Yeah, we're most of your life. Yeah. And um, so I told him, I was like, this is what happened. Like I'm not doing very well with it right now, but I'm here. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm not leaving. And so I was like, I guess you can, you can like, you can count on me. Like, I'll be your, your point person. I'll be your, the person who takes over this agency and I'll be the next principal. And, um, 
Um, last year, he he and his wife like drafted up the documents, and they willed the agency to me. Mm. So, like, God forbid anything happens overnight, everything's in my name. So your name's on title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a really amazing cool place. how that works. It is. Uh, it's a really cool place to be. So, like, in the meantime, like, I have this business being passed down to me. Mm-hmm. So, and it's really, it's just a really big. God's story. It's a beautiful place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was a really, really difficult decision to make between like, do I follow my heart? Or do I follow my head? And, uh, you know, there's so many times where it's like, yeah, follow your heart, follow your heart. Mm-hmm. And it was like, no, like that was the decision to make. Like mm-hmm. that was the right one because otherwise I'd be in East Jesus nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and you know, he'd probably be all over the place being a marine like hardly ever home and i would be his essentially his roommate mm-hmm. i would have been his roommate who was in a relationship with him yeah um and you'd be in north carolina trying to start all over again yeah yeah which like i could have gone into insurance probably mm-hmm. started an insurance agency mm-hmm. not a problem but like i would have loved like i i looked at it as like the opportunity of a lifetime because again he was my first like i was 28 and that or 27 and that was my first relationship i had ever been in And I kind of just thought, I was like, I don't know if this is ever going to happen again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then, like, I had, on the other hand, I was like, someone offered me the, like, the career opportunity of a lifetime. And again, I was like, I don't know if this would ever happen to me again. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like the same, same, same same side of the coin for both. Um, But, yeah, so I cried at my desk for two (laughs) days straight after the breakup because it was so upsetting. And, um... And then that was, again, where I heard God, and he was like, it was time, it's time to come home. Mm-hmm. And so that's when um, I'm sitting at my desk. It's a Wednesday morning, just, like, bawling my eyes out. And I was like, okay, like, what church do I go to? Mm-hmm. And um, every day, every single day I pass by on the 78 freeway, I pass by Awaken Church mm-hmm. in San Marcos. And so I was like, okay, cool. Like, I think that, like, again, I pass by every single day. I see the name every single day. But, like, I was like, I think that place is called Awaken. <laughs> So I googled it, and like the front page, as soon as you click it, was like, "Come join us tonight at six thirty p.m." And I was like, "Okay, cool. Like, guess I'm meant to go." Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I went to a Wednesday night service, an absolute bawling mess. Like, they're so nice. Like, and when you walk in, they've got parking attendants to help you. Like, if you're a first time guest, they're like, "Oh, flash your lights," and I'm like, "Hi!" Like, I'm new. And they're like, "Okay, great. Park right there." Mm-hmm. And then, like, you, like, you get out of the car, and then you go, and there's the high team, and the high team's like, hi, welcome, and I just, like, remember melting into this woman's arms, <laughs> like, just bawling my eyes out, and I was like, I just need to be saved, like, <laughs> and she's like, okay, great, like, let's pray for you, and just, like, right away, it was, like, wrapped in someone's arms, like, getting prayer, and it was just such a cool place to be, um, so that was... 2022 and like I feel like my life started over again just like in the greatest place ever and um the market started to get really difficult for insurance it's been a wild ride so we are no longer in um like the good (laughs) the good part of the presidency where like business is running as usual like businesses are shutting down still and um you've got a lot of carriers who are leaving the state and we've really seen that in 2023 mm-hmm. where carriers we've had about 20 insurance carriers leave the state of California mm-hmm. um, 
we, my agency still works with companies who are interested in writing in California. Mm -hmm. We still have an appointment and um, we still have contracts in California. Mm -hmm. Like there's unfortunately a lot of California agencies who are being shut down too mm -hmm. because they're just not producing enough. Yeah. And um, we've been really, really fortunate. So um, yeah, that was a, that was a teary transition into business. But <laughs> Well, see, my best, my my favorite thing uh -huh. about the mean story, yeah, is I'm not going into sales. Oh yeah, yeah. I, if you make this about sales, I'm quitting. Yeah, yeah. Right, and you're literally in sales every single day. Yeah, I'm in sales um, every single day. But it's interesting because you had the same view mm -hmm. of sales that I have. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah literally hated the idea mm -hmm. of sales. Yeah. I just, I felt like there was no way I would ever be yeah. that slick, you know, I'm going to trick you yeah. into, and right? Is that because you I'm gonna like just, sold? I'm going to, yeah, yeah, I'm going to just, right? I'm yeah. just going to, I'm going to steal all your money, totally. you know, right? That was my view of sales. Yeah. And then I take this, this class. Yeah that Tony Robbins teaches okay. mm -hmm. called Sales Mastery. Right. And I get certified in Sales Mastery. Cool. And I find out that sales isn't anything like what I thought it was. Yeah. It was not even remotely yeah. close to what I yeah. And he told us, if you do it the way that you, if you do it this way, yeah. you're failing. Yeah. What? Right? So what I learned was the people that absolutely made me hate sale, hate the idea of being in sales were the ones who were not good. Were the ones that were really terrible at yeah. it, right? And they were actually failures. Yeah. And so I was going to go be a success, and you know I've I've done okay. Yeah. Um, so, but it but it was one of those things where I it was a real awakening for me. I mean, yeah. it was a real honest to goodness, just ch absolute shift, like like tectonic shift for me yeah i mean i i didn't feel the ground move but yeah. it sort of felt like the ground was moving totally um so i i just i just dearly love that story you told that story at our house one day and i was like i just i just really i think you're a bad anyway, <laughs> so um so insurance today is not what insurance has been um do you have an opinion as to why the massive change? Is it a is it a post COVID thing? Is it is it the way we're is it the way we're managing our forests? Is it you know what what do you what do you think it is being being a, an industry expert? So I call it a peaceful protest. Okay, we've kind of seen this happen with like Bud Light and Target were two really good examples okay. earlier this year. Okay, of. The people who were not fans of what they did with Target and Bud Light did not go burn down Targets. They didn't go, like, destroy property and stuff. They just simply said, I'm not buying your product anymore or I'm not supporting your product anymore. Right. And so I really think that the, 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 the companies who are leaving California are using it as a peaceful protest. On one hand, yeah, we have the California brush issues, but, like, our half our state is brush mm -hmm. like get it together that's just that's how it is right. you know and on the other hand up until recently like it's it's kind of been, there's been like some illegal activity in order like if you want to clear brush from your house 
You have to be very specific and quiet about it because you've got the people who are like, oh my God, you you touched a nest. Like, we're going to fine you, mm-hmm. you know? So people are like, okay, I won't. Like, what am I supposed to do about the dead, but, dead like brush behind my house? Mm-hmm. You know, they're trying to clear... But then you've got on the other side, they're like, oh my gosh, don't touch the, touch the baby bird nest mm-hmm. or we'll find you. Mm-hmm. So you're in this weird conundrum. Um, so that's part of it. And then uh, I think the, I really think the biggest part of it is how much lawlessness there is in California. We're fortunate that we don't see a lot in San Diego, but it's in LA, it's in San Francisco. It's like if companies are just being broken into and things are being stolen, they don't just say, darn, and move on with their life. Mm-hmm. You file an insurance claim. Mm-hmm. And so a lot, a lot, a lot of money has been paid out through insurance. So it's a crime rate thing too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because, I mean, th- this is just my hypothesis. This is not anywhere. Well, here's, here's, um, I, 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 I agree with you and I'll tell you why. Um, insurance companies typically mm-hmm. don't just do property insurance. Right. They don't just do casualty insurance. Mm-hmm. They don't just do auto insurance. Yeah. They don't just do real estate insurance. Yeah. They do errors and omissions insurance. Right. They do mm-hmm. fraud insurance. Mm-hmm. They do liability insurance. Totally. They do all these different types of insurance, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Life insurance, right? Yeah. And what I found just from conversations that I've had with people in the industry mm-hmm. is when when their property and casualty department starts hemorrhaging money, yeah. they try to pass, they try to turn around and increase rates on other, on the other departments like E&O, you know, life, whatever. Mm-hmm. And what they're finding is they're finding a resistance from the consumer about the rates going up yeah. over here. So yeah. they're trying to drive the revenue up here yeah. to try to compensate for the losses over here, right? Um, pardon me. And their answer has been, at least as far as I can tell, is to pull up stakes and hit it, yeah, right, and go somewhere where the I think you're talking about this silent protest. Go somewhere where it's more conducive to do business. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. You know, for years and years now, I told you I have a background in the building industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, for years and years now, I've watched industries like um, Corky McMillan, perfect example, McMillan Realty, McMillan Development. Yeah. Uh, Corky McMillan is a San Diego native. Yeah. When Corky McMillan passed away, his family, right after he passed away, packed up and left and took their corporate headquarters wow. to San Antonio, Texas. Wow. They're no longer a California company. Yeah. And that's just an example, mm-hmm. okay? But you look at all these different companies, their headquarters are now in Texas, in Florida, in Georgia, in places where it's much more conducive to build homes yeah. and do what they do in terms of property development yeah. than California. Mm-hmm. California has been has basically run them off the off the table and out yeah. of here. Yeah. Partly because we're running out of permittable land, but also because that permittable land, it's become a lot of that permittable land has become non-permittable mm-hmm. simply because of that catcher, because of yeah. you know rare species, because yeah. of all the you know the Sierra Club and the yeah. what we call the NIMBY thing, not yeah. in my backyard kind of thing, yeah. right? Um, and it's become prevalent. It's become really bad. Yeah. Right. And the and, you know, builders have stopped putting their developments on the on the on the ballot Mm -hmm. as a ballot measure, as a proposition, because they're just they're seeing 
this lack of support from yeah. the electorate. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. People don't understand that we have like Alan Nevin, who mm -hmm. whose book you, I gave you his book the other day, and you're, you you um, ordered the, um, his second book. Yeah. Alan Nevin told us on my radio shows years ago that if we don't import another person into San Diego County, then we export. If that all stays constant, just because of our organic growth, we're talking death, mm -hmm. we're talking births, we're talking, yeah. you know, just evolution of life, right? We need 12,500 new home units so built and sold yeah. every year. Yeah. We haven't done that since before 2008. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So we're easily... Mm -hmm. 100 plus thousand units. And there are some people that think we're 300,000 plus units short. short in San Diego County. Just San Diego County, yeah. not the rest of the world, not Northern California, not, okay. And so now you have a situation where you're short mm -hmm. on all of this inventory, drives up the price of the inventory. Mm -hmm. Then as an insurance, as an insurance company, mm -hmm. you have to then insure that massive appreciation of, of property value, yeah. right? So you're now signing off on a larger, on a larger, a much, much larger um, risk per, per property. And then it exponentially gets, as prices go up and values go up, you know, and you've got construction costs going up, you've got massive inflation, you've got all these things that are happening. Yep. It costs more to build houses, yep. labor, the whole thing, right? Then you go back to, it costs money to do the labor thing, but then you have workers' compensation insurance you have to purchase, right? Which is going up, you know, at, at some point, you're gonna to get to a point to where it's just not going to work. And if you if if you read um, Alan Nevin's book, The Next Half Century, the one that you order, mm -hmm. in there he talks about California is top grading right now. And what that basically means is everybody who's kind of lower echelon income mm -hmm. is leaving the state and going somewhere else where it's where it's more it's more Peaceful. well it's more it's more friendly business friendly yeah. right it's yeah. more it's more consumer friendly even yeah. like you don't have state income tax in some of these states yeah. you know you don't have as many regulations the gas prices are lower mm -hmm. you can actually make what you make here and have a much much better quality of life yeah. there yeah and so. That's a challenge for us because we have the most VC venture capital. We have the most venture capital coming into California yeah. than we do in any other state in our nation yeah. by far. Yeah. Here's the problem. You've got people with bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, and PhDs coming to San Diego, coming to California. Mm -hmm. You've got all these people that are the worker class mm -hmm. leaving. Yeah. Who's going to do the worker stuff? Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. this is a problem. Exactly. This is a an economy that is literally not built for success, yeah. and it's getting worse every single year. Yeah. So that's the challenge that I see mm -hmm. is it's and and then and then you pack on the fact that there's every time you turn around there's another set of regulations. Regulations cost money to business. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they also increase the risk of businesses going under. Yeah. And then you're trying to insure them. <laughs> this is a this is a recipe for disaster. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's my take on it. So it's not necessarily the most optimistic, wonderful world view, but it's kind of what we're seeing on the ground. Yeah. So um, anything else you want to cover before we wrap up? 
No, no. I think I think we should definitely do an insurance. We're going to one in general. We're going to. We'll lot, get into some depth. There's a lot to cover. There is a lot to cover. <laughs> one, yeah. There is a lot to cover. Yeah. I'm so glad you're in sales, though. I yeah. cannot tell you how yeah. happy I am that yeah. you're in sales. Well, I mean, the thing I've recognized was realized with sales is it's about educating the client. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like anyone can anyone can sell insurance yeah. honestly and just look at the straight facts and or straight numbers and be like, great, this like at the most amount of client I'd say more clients I've gotten in general mm-hmm. our premiums were higher because I had an educational conversation with that client mm-hmm. like here's what you're getting for a couple hundred dollars more a year right. and you're getting hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars in coverage compared to this person over here who they're saving you a couple hundred dollars mm-hmm. but like if your home burns down to the ground and you're missing hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of coverage you're gonna really miss that two hundred dollars you paid we had a wildfire in california years mm-hmm. ago called the witch creek fire mm-hmm. i had the attorney that was representing over 500 homeowners yeah that their homes had burned to the ground mm-hmm. they did an audit mm-hmm. of those homeowners insurance coverages yeah 85% of them yeah. were underinsured. Mm-hmm. And some of them were underinsured by two, three, four hundred thousand dollars mm-hmm. So this is something to think about when you're listening to this yeah. and you're talking about insurance coverage. Yeah. This is somebody you want to be talking to yeah. because you're an expert at this and you know, you figure out, you know what sales is now, you figure out what your client's need is and you help them solve it. Yeah, exactly. Right? You help them take care of what needs to be taken care of. Yeah. And that's amazing. And yeah. I could not admire you more if thank I tried. You. <laughs> you know that. Um, I'm her biggest fan or one of them. So thank you for, for being here. And yeah, I really, really enjoyed this. Yeah. I am so pumped up now that I've hung out with you for the last hour. Yeah. I'm probably going to go run through a wall. Okay, great. But thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Awesome. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor, smash that subscribe button, tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program, and wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out calendly.com slash Rio 760.